Hello and welcome to our podcast on Mute Now. Today, we bring you the final presentation from our Leveling Up series held in October 2022 as part of our Black History Month celebrations. Dr. Dedebo, who's a medical practitioner in the field of sports and exercise medicine, speaks to us about physical health. He looks at some of the medical conditions that are prevalent amongst the Black and ethnic minority cohort and possible ways of how we can prevent or manage these medical conditions. For example, the importance of exercise. We hope that you enjoyed today's presentation and that you would like, subscribe, or send us a comment. Here is Dr. Dedebo. Uh, first of all, let me just define health by, by according to WHO. As the, the WHO defines health as the uh, complete uh, physical, mental, and uh, social well-being, and not merely the absence of disease or infirmity. And so, uh, it encompasses a whole a whole lot. And so, primary healthcare is the is the area of health that is the first point of contact for most people. So you have healthcare practitioners, we have general practitioners, family physicians, in, you know, as they call it in America. Here we, we stick to the term GPs. And then we have community pharmacists, we have opticians and dentists. All these people help to deal with our basic health issues. And uh, the aim of the primary healthcare is to provide easily accessible route to care. So they act as the patient's advocate and they coordinate the care of those with multiple uh, health problems. Now, in light of what we're talking about, the uh, Black History Month, it's important for us to understand the facilities that are available so that we don't fall victim of ignorance when there's a service that's available to you and you don't assess it. Let's go to the next slide, please. So the Health, primary healthcare has eight components. We have public uh, education, and then we, we also talk about proper nutrition. And by the way, most of a lot of the uh, nutritional information out there you hear, most of them are not right. Uh, a lot of them has uh, companies behind trying to promote their product, force people to think that certain things must be the norm. And for over 40 years, the whole world has been deceived about low-fat diet. And you'll be, you'll be surprised to know that it's not true. Then we also talk about clean water and sanitation, maternal and child health care, immunization, local disease control, um, accessible treatment, and drug provision. So, when we talk about health promotion, what are the aspects? I mean, I think this encompasses everything that is, we are supposed to know. Um, what is your individual health status? Um, individuals vary in terms of their health problems. You find some people, they, they are active, they don't seem to have any problems. And then you find other people also who have a lot of issues. And some of these conditions may be genetically passed on. So you just belong to this family. Everybody has diabetes or everybody has this. For that reason, you just uh, acquire that. Then also cultural background influences a lot how you are able to manage health issues. Financial resources, you know, there are certain conditions. I mean, even talking about waiting lists here, 
you see that if you had the money, you can just go private and get yourself sorted out. But if you, if you don't have the means, then it becomes a, a significant problem. Then human resources also, I mean, even available for the management of specific health problems uh, is also an important factor. Now, risk factors, I mean, all our medical work, we, we try to find out risks and manage the risks accordingly. We do risk management and be able to address people's problems. Then there are also protective fact factors, things that you can use as prophylaxis or to prevent certain conditions. In fact, it's better to avoid the condition by protection. That's why I say prevention is better than cure. Then you have also personal priorities. So often in our practice, we discuss options and allow people to choose what they want. And sometimes as medics, we know that the choice the person is making is not the right thing, but we just have to make sure that they understand the implications of their choice. Then we have the, the community resources. Uh, there are certain specialty areas, in, even in Northern Ireland, where we don't have enough specialists in that area. So certain conditions, you may have to be sent to England or something like that for things like that. And then also behavioral back, background uh, are also very important. Next slide, please. Right, so what are the healthcare barriers when we're talking about migrant groups? And uh, it's been clearly defined. People, we have different categories of, of uh, migrant group. People who are professionals and they don't seem to have any issues. We have um, asylum seekers, and people who are economic uh, migrants. And these categories have different barriers that uh, affect their accessibility uh, to the, the healthcare that is here. So in the NHS, we have our own problems in terms of staffing and, and funding. And so because of certain projects, maybe not being adequately funded, we may not have the, uh, enough staff to, to run it. Then also we have language barriers, as has been mentioned earlier on. Um, you find people coming in and there is no interpreter. He comes from a certain country and you know, we have to you sometimes I've had to use a, a Google Translate, to, you know, to, and some of those things are not as precise as yeah. So, um, but if we have no choice, that's what we have to work with, and it's definitely a barrier. Then again, immigration status as we so based on the person's immigration status, some people would not be able to assess. I mean, sometimes just for the fear of what the consequences could be. Um, then we have the affordability of the primary private health insurance, as we mentioned earlier. And then the reluctance to assess services due to cultural uh, influences. I don't think we have enough time. I would have gone into a lot more of these. And so setting cultural practices from certain areas has impact on choices of even with, with the, the uh, the COVID and the vaccinations, you, you hear all kinds of uh, excuses why some people would not want to have a vaccine. But it's, it's very interesting. Then it all boils down to ignorance, I would say, uh, that these things are for lack of knowledge. The Bible says that for lack of knowledge, my people perish. And, and so by not having adequate knowledge. In the olden days, the death rate from just childbirth was so high 
simply because we didn't know the availability of certain medicines that would reduce bleeding. And so with the discovery of egometrine and other medications, we have limited the, the death rate simply because of increase in knowledge. So that's slide, we'll get in there. So I think I would, I would like to focus more on the, the, the central point in general health, which is the, the obesity. In fact, when you look at the statistics, the migrant communities tend to have higher uh, incidence of obesity, diabetes, and coronary heart disease and stroke, and also vitamin D deficiency. Then I also, um, also have uh, mental health issues, which Dr. Daniel has dealt with already. Then we have uh, sickle cell disease and sickle cell anemia, um, and then also thalassemia. These are peculiar problems that we tend to have. And I think that the bottom line of all these things, uh, that with the next few slides, I'll be focusing on managing obesity and weight problems. And when you look at the, this uh, slide, you see that they, uh, there is a gene called the OB gene inside the fat cells of the body. And I would like to say, before I even go any further, your, your state of health or your, your weight is a reflection of your lifestyle over the years. There is nobody who wakes up one morning and says, oh, I'm obese. And for that reason, when you want to lose weight and you want to lose it sustainably, there, is, there are no shortcuts. So anybody who tells you I have a quick fix, I have this, I do that, and then you lose weight within this short, forget it. My, my, my advice is that don't start anything that you cannot continue for the rest of your life. So anybody who says he has a solution for weight loss, and it is not something you can do for the rest of your life, don't even bother start because the body has been programmed in such a way that your, your state of your, your body reflects your lifestyle. So if you don't like it, then it is your lifestyle that must change. And I like your, your presentation. Nobody will do that for you. You have to make that decision. That is what I want to achieve and therefore make the necessary steps and do that. Now, obesity is one of the few problems in medical science that we know the cause, but we don't want to treat the cause. The cause of obesity is that we eat too much and we don't ex exercise adequately. The emphasis is not adequate exercise and overeating. That's the cause. Food is very nice and God has this designed the body in such a way that under normal circumstances, when you are eating, the body will give you signals that you are full. It is that ability to be disciplined and realize that I've had enough and stop, which we often don't take that <laughs> instruction. And we keep eating because the food is nice. And our culture, our, also, our culture is also such that Everything has to be celebrated and with food. And it is a major cause of obesity. Now, if the governments are really serious about doing something about obesity, the first thing, do you know what I would say? The first thing they must. No, no, no. 
No. Did you see them banning uh, certain foods in schools? I said, these people, they don't know what they are talking about. Do you know the first thing that must be banned? All you can eat restaurants. All you can eat restaurants. Now, the fact that you can you pay and you have to eat as much as you can, it is the major cause of the problem. Obesity, you, you need to eat just enough and then exercise, without which you can never get rid of So, God, in his, his amazing wisdom, gave us a hormone called leptin. That as we are eating, and if you've had enough fat in the system, signals leptin is released and makes you stop eating. You have to make that decision. Now, when you don't stop it, now you, you nullify the effectiveness of this leptin. And therefore, if you don't listen to the, the body, then the body just allows you. Now you develop resistance to the leptin. For that reason, you keep eating and eating and eating and eating, and you don't have any control, and your weight keeps going. So basically, this, there's a gene responsible, which is found in the fat cells, which releases this leptin. Then the leptin moves into the fat cells and enters the bloodstream. Then it goes into the brain, where uh, it helps you to reduce or stop the drive to eat, reaching a set point. Because once you've reached a set point, that is why a low fat is one of the most dangerous advice anybody can give you regarding your health. Because you need the right proportion of fat in the food that will enable leptin to be produced for you to stop eating. So when you reduce the amount of fat, then you are compromising your own body's ability to regulate your, your, your weight. And it's the worst advice anybody can be given. Secondly, fat. We need the total energy the body needs. You need at least 30%, 30% of it must, must come from fat. You need 55% from carbohydrates and 15% from protein. Now, the fat is also so important. It is the fat that makes food nice. The fat present in... How many prefer uh, toast with a bit of butter on it compared to dry food toast? How many would prefer boiled chips and fried chips? Which one tastes nicer? Boiled potato and fried potato. So, so, so it is meant to give us the, the, the appetite for you to get to the point, the set point for your body, for you to decide that I've had enough. And when we remove the fat, then we destroy the whole mechanism for controlling our weight. Another important point of the fat is that there are certain essential vitamins, the, the fat-soluble vitamins. Vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin E, and vitamin K. Now, the more you reduce fat content of your food, then you are going to be uh, having low levels of all these vital uh, vitamins. Next slide. So this is just uh, the, the picture of the, the, the health risks of excessive body fat. And it starts from the, the brain, to the whole body. So you, you have uh, the psychological burden, social stigmatization and, and discrimination. It leads to depression and low self-esteem. 
which I'm sure Dr. Daniel would have addressed some of these issues. Then in the gastrointestinal tract, because the body fat is higher, you have uh, gastroesophageal reflux disease, you have heartburns, and then with regards to art the arteries, uh, you find uh, impaired cardiac in, 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 in function, uh, and then increased mechanical work. In fact, the bottom line of most of our health problem is has to do with blood flow. You realize that as we grow older, old, old ladies, old people have to be, you know, joint pains and things. Like. Why is that? It is simply because as you are growing older, the blood perfusion to various tissues gets compromised. And it is because of increasing what we call insulin resistance. As you put on weight, the, the body has to find a way of supplying blood to the most important tissues of the body. So when you put on too much weight, now you, the body now employs the finance minister of the body to now budget. And then they, they, they would fund the most essential things that has to be done in the, in the country and leave out the less important things. So, that's, so also the body does. So when we are putting, we put on too much weight. Now, the body has to feed every single cell in the body. But when we, 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 we are putting too much burden on the heart, then the body has to decide which, which uh, organs are more important. So the brain takes precedence, the heart takes precedence, and then the liver just to keep us alive. And then the rest, so the joints, the periphery, are far less important and unfortunately because of that the any injuries or repair that has to take place in those places are deferred and that is why we tend to get arthritis and joint pains and all these things because we are not having adequate supply of blood to those those areas so you see all these problems the lungs that one is because of the the, the body fat puts pressure on the lung system the ability to expand and move in it's also affected, it leads to sleep apnea, mechanical ven ventilatory problems during exercise, coronary heart disease. It gets to a point where the heart also gets enlarged. The, as the heart is having to do extra work to pump, what, what happens is that the, the body decides to, to have uh, the peripheral vessels, they become higher resistance vessels so that they can send blood easily to the vital parts and as a result of the periphery having higher resistance the the blood pressure will begin to go up and that puts a burden on the heart the heart has the heart has to pump harder in order to supply the the nutrients to the various parts of the body so that leads to what development of high blood pressure and then the heart muscles also because it becomes larger needs also more supply to it that's why the risk of heart disease uh, also increases. The same thing will happen to the pancreas, the kidneys, development of kidney stones and then cancers and so on and so forth. All these things come in. And then you have menstrual irregularities again. Um, in the normal menstrual cycle of a woman, the second half, once the egg is released, the second half of a menstrual cycle, the body temperature goes up. So if the body temperature goes up, means that the energy demands for your life is increased. Now, so when 
you are putting too much weight on and you develop what we call insulin resistance, it, it, the body now switches and decides that, well, we are not having enough energy to, to, to utilize. Therefore, um, it, it, leaves, it, it stops you from releasing eggs so that you can preserve some energy. And when you develop insulin resistance, what happens is that the hormone that is responsible for pregnancy and everything becomes unable to work efficiently. For that reason, the ovary is unable to release the egg regularly. So it's one of the reasons why when you put on a lot of weight, when you have what we call polycystic ovarian syndrome, which I'm sure you've heard of before, PCOS, it is one of the mechanisms where the person just cannot have regular uh, ovulation and it leads to um, menstrual irregularities and infertility. Let's go to the next slide. So, understanding the basic principles of weight regulation. I think I've mentioned some of these things already. So, I've, the, the body determines your potential to put on weight. That there are three stages in life where fat cells are deposited. The first one is the uh, the first, as the baby is developing, fat cells are being formed. Okay, so the first year of life, uh, the last trimester of pregnancy, that's where the fat cells are deposited. Then, the first year of life, fat cells are determined are, are deposited, and then during the adolescent growth spurt, these are the, the so the amount of fat cells that are deposited will determine your propensity or your, your capability of becoming obese in the future. So you may have the genetic predisposition to be fat. However, your lifestyle will determine whether you become fat or not. Then, um, so I've talked about lifestyle and pre genetic predisposition. And there is this amazing energy equation. The total amount of energy your body needs is, is equal to your basic metabolic rate, energy required for your basic function to keep you breathing, to keep the heart beating. If you are not doing anything, if you are to lie down sleeping, where you are not involved in any activity, the minimum amount of energy that is required is to be able to keep you breathing and keep the heart beating. Now, there is also energy needed to digest the food, absorb food, as we call TEF. That's called thermal effect of food. And then we have the energy requirement for your activity. So if you are running, if you are, you need more energy to do the running than to, to walk. So that is the total energy. So unfortunately, people think that I don't want to put on weight, so I remove fat from my diet. You can have zero fat, but if the total energy you put into your body is more than the body needs. The body converts that into fat. We store fat not because, let me explain it this way, we store fat because it is the most economical way of saving or storing energy in the body. If the body was to store carbohydrate, we can't we can work because to store every gram of uh, carbohydrate, you need extra water to go with it. So, the 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 um, fat has a higher concentration of energy within it than, than fat. That is why the body can store a lot more energy in the form of fat for a smaller space 
compared to carbohydrate or protein. So, I talked about insulin resistance and it affects the whole metabolism. And it's important to understand that when I talk to somebody, oh, what are you doing? So, I'm, I'm, I'm working and you see people say, oh, they have, everybody seems to have a gadget that is measuring their steps. Do you know what I will say about that? Forget it. Because weight you have already put on cannot be lost because of steps you are taking. What happens if that equation there, if you really, it's like you are saving money for a big project. You are saving money to uh, maybe buy a house or something like that. Now, you will notice that as you are saving for that thing, you may have some uh, minor expenditure that you need to make. You wouldn't tap into the savings for that big project you are, you, you are trying to do. Uh, in the same way, the body also will not allow you to, to tap into the stored fat, especially centrally stored fat. So I call it centrally stored fat is under lock and key. You cannot assess it except your exercise level reaches a certain threshold. And until it reaches that threshold, if your lifestyle reflects that type of threshold, then your brain understands that, oh, now you are serious. You really want to use the stored fat. The, the body stores the extra fat because in case of emergency, if you are to fall unconscious, it will be fall on the stored fat to keep you alive until help comes. That's what the, program, the brain has been programmed to. So if you, if you really want to take, use the stored fat, the centrally stored fat, then it must reflect your lifestyle. So if your lifestyle is commensurate with that type of life you want to live it is then that the brain will shift its uh, uh, pre-programming and change the program so that you can now use the centrally stored fat and the centrally stored fat is the the highest indicator of the state of your health right so the key role of the estrogen hormone that's what i did my phd on uh, estrogen hormone is i call it the hormone of life and it's central, it's responsible for almost everything when it comes to our health. And unfortunately, naturally, as we are growing older, the ability of estrogen to perform or function begins to decline. That is why by regular exercises, we kind of prop up estrogenic function. Because as we are in increasing in weight, we develop insulin resistance. And what exercise does? Exercise increases sensitivity to insulin. And that is when estrogen will begin to work well. So exercise helps. And not just the walking. Beyond a certain threshold, that's where you cut that anaerobic, I call it the anaerobic threshold. It is at a certain level. Usually about 60 to 70% of your maximum. As you are exercising, your heart rate increases. And there is a particular threshold beyond which you trigger sensitivity to insulin, therefore allowing estrogen to work. I don't have much time. I would have explained it a bit more in detail, but um, um, I'll be ready to answer some questions. So this is the, the, the body is not just an adding machine that you just put one in and you can take one out. The brain has programmed what your way should be, and it will fight you whatever you do 
you can lose. When you try to lose weight unconventionally, the brain will just sit back and watch you and wait for you to finish. When you finish, then it will reorganize you back to where you are supposed to be. And in fact, you realize that you even get more, put more weight on. So this is the, the general thing. Weight change is as a result of total energy intake plus the total energy expenditure. So when you are expending more energy, that is when you actually cut across that anaerobic threshold and that's where you enhance blood flow to the various parts. So your state of health reflects the state of blood flow. The Bible even tells us that for the life of the flesh, the life of the flesh is in the blood. You know, so when blood is not able to flow, wherever blood cannot get to, that point dies. And the only way to get blood to flow is by exercise, not the food you eat. The food you eat makes it worse, probably. <laughs> well, especially when you eat more than you need. But the key thing to let blood to flow is that you need estrogen to be able to be working. And for estrogen need to, to be working, you need to have reduced resistance to insulin. Exercise does that. And that's how exercise improves our health. And I think I'll end here. <laughs>